Hey guys, it's Hans Hess. I'm back for the third installment on this podcast of this counterculture series. And today I'm, I'm going to deal with a really uh, sticky topic, and that is human sexuality. And I actually preached a sermon on this, and I titled it Born This Way with a question mark. So I just want to begin with a scriptural principle and then uh, walk through some scriptures here that relate to human sexuality. Okay, first of all, let's begin with Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So I want that to be our principle here. Verse 24, that a man is to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two are to be united as one. So obviously from Scripture, God created us as sexual beings. We were fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist said, but our bodies were created for the Lord's purposes, and He has specific boundaries set for us. Our, you know, the purpose of living here is not just self-gratification, but we were placed upon the earth to be a glorifying God, and God has given us boundaries like fences uh, to protect us. I've often used this analogy in church that God's laws and commands to us are like fences to a rodeo rider. You know, if you've ever watched rodeo, the rodeo cowboys, they ride, and once they're thrown off the horse or thrown off the, the bull, what do they do? They run to the fence because the fence is their boundary. The fence is the number one thing that protects them. And that's just like God's laws for us. They are protection for us so that we don't hurt others, so that we don't hurt ourselves. So God designed a man and woman's body to join together as one flesh, as, this, as that verse says, they are joined into and united into one or one flesh, as some of the older translations say. So this sexual relationship is not a mechanical act between two objects, but it's a relational bond between two people and not just any two people, but two people who have come into covenant with one another and have committed their lives to live uh, together in covenant. You know, in the book of Malachi, in chapter 2, God cries out against the people of Israel because they had uh, forsaken the vows of marriage. And the Lord said to them in chapter 2 of Malachi, He said, You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? He said, I'll tell you why, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. So God was upset with the people of Israel because they had really desecrated this beautiful um, system of marriage that he had placed. And God takes this thing seriously. He wasn't accepting their worship uh, at that time because of that. So what's at, what, what, what boundaries has God set up for us? Well, in the Old Testament, he gives us many specific boundaries for sexual relations. And I just want to run through these quickly and maybe reference some of the scriptures, but not, uh, not read them all. First of all, sex with prostitutes was outside of the boundaries of God. 
Leviticus 19, do not defile your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will be filled with prostitution and wickedness. I know that's a no-brainer, but we need to be reminded of this thing today. Also, violence, sexual violence was forbidden in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 22 talks about a man who rapes a woman, that that man must be put to death and the woman is innocent. And uh, again, this is a no-brainer. We all know this, but it needs to be stated. Also, sex with animals. Bestiality was condemned in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 18 makes that very clear. Even um, sex with relatives. Leviticus chapter 18 makes that very clear. You must never have sexual relations with a close relative, for I am the Lord. So all of these are outside the boundaries of God that God's created to protect ourselves. And then we get down a little more into... uh, problems we deal with in the society today, and that is outside the boundaries of God is sex between a man and woman who are not married. Some consider this uh, adultery. Others consider adultery only that uh, when a married person steps outside the bonds of marriage and has sexual relations. But uh, I'm going to expand it here to include even non-married people. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, this is one of the Ten Commandments. You must not commit adultery. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. That was the Old Testament Levitical law. It was a capital sin to uh, commit adultery. Also, he, he condemns in the book of Leviticus chapter 18, sex between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. This would be homosexuality. It says in Leviticus 18, Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it is a detestable sin. I think some older versions call it an abomination. Uh, God has like a special uh, indignation toward that. And some I know argue today, well, that's all Old Testament law, and that isn't to be applied to us today, but yet it's reiterated in the New Testament. Just listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 1. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. God goes on and prohibits even lustful looking. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I mean, this really gets down to the root of it. But God's purpose is to protect us, to protect us from the evil desires and temptations that destroy lives and destroy marriages. I mean, he even went so far as to prohibit immodest clothing. If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and again, the purpose here is just to avoid all appearance of evil, to avoid that lust that entices us. Even to the point in Ephesians that Paul says, Uh, Let there be no crude speech or crude humor used among you. He said, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. He even said, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Then in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Run from it. So, Amazing stuff here, very pointed, very straightforward, very much in our face. God designed boundaries 
for sexual relations and they're for our own good to protect us. Now, this is the last part of this podcast. I just want to deal with this issue of uh, being born this way. A lot of people believe, and it's been promoted in the, the media and in uh, many sources, that, uh, that people are born with a certain sexual orientation, that maybe they're born gay, they're born lesbian, or whatever. Uh, but as I looked into this issue, you know, my findings were, just from some of the studies that I'd looked at, that there's a lot of inconclusive evidence here. Um, 1991 hypothalamus study done by Simone LeVay really was inconclusive proving a certain gene to homosexuality. A 1991 twin study by Richard Pollard, and these are, these are gay scientists doing this work, uh, even admits that um, it, it's more environmental. The, the whole homosexual bent is more in, 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 because of environmental issues rather than being born that way and, and hardwired into the DNA. On into the 2000s, uh, finally with a study by uh, Dr. Francis Collins, who was the head of the Human Genome Project, where he said sexual orientation is genetically influenced but not hardwired by DNA. And he goes on to say whatever genes are involved represent predispositions, not predeterminations. And he said that there may be some genetic influences, but they're no greater than uh, certain personality traits, like a person's cognitive ability or extroversion or agreeableness or whatever. So, you know, a case for a gay gene has just not really been conclusively made. But I have good news. And the good news is, all of us, according to Romans chapter 5, have a bent towards sin. All of us were born in sin. All of us have fallen and have come short of the glory of God. And whether, whatever your sin was, whatever your lifestyle was like before, all of us join with you in that we all have failed God. And even if we're born with a certain bent towards sin, it doesn't mean that we must act on it because we're living in a culture that just assumes that uh, if, you have a, if you have a natural inclination to something that you must act on it. That is just completely not true. But here, here's the good news. If you're in Christ, you have a new identity. Whatever your old identity was goes by the wayside. In Christ, you have a new identity. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul even said in Philippians that he had left all of those accolades and all of his past and all those accomplishments, he left them in the dust behind him because he had a new identity in Christ. We are no longer defined by the sin of our past. We are now defined by our relationship with Jesus if you are a Christian. So we can technically say we are in him there's a real powerful theological truth that we see in the writings of Paul that we are in him. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. So if we're in Christ, he is our identity now and we are without blame and holy before him. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 that we're complete in him. 
that now we lack nothing and we have completeness in him, that, that your identity now is something completely different. So man, in the body of Christ, it's just a beautiful thing. No matter if you were a, uh, a murderer before, you were, you were a, uh, an adulterer before, you were gay or lesbian or straight or whatever before, it doesn't matter. Once you come through the blood and come to the cross, God gives you a new identity, and that is you are born again, you are washed in the blood, you are now a saint of God. He even said that to the church in Corinth. He wrote to the saints in Corinth. Even though they had many problems that Paul had to confront, he still called them saints because they were washed in the blood and part of the body of Christ. I hope this encourages you today and uh, makes you realize that your spiritual inheritance is something absolutely awesome. God bless you. He had the fire of the Holy Ghost.